You're listening to the Discover You Life podcast through conversations with pretty cool Muslims, people of Doha, of Ihsan, people who found a way to walk their dreams with Islamic excellence. We take you on a path of discovery. This is the podcast where you discover you. All right. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Welcome to the Discovery Life podcast. My name is Razi Hamidi, your host. I haven't had an interview on for a while, but I'm so excited uh, to be here with you guys. And obviously, those of you in our Facebook community get first exclusive uh, access to this interview. It's going to be released publicly, inshallah, in the coming days. Um, and I just want to, inshallah, take this time to remind all of you, if you're not already part of our five-day Razor Dua Challenge, get in on there. We start, alhamdulillah, in February 26th to March 1st, five days, alhamdulillah, of getting yourself ready for Ramadan, but in the best way possible, because uh, you know at Discover You, our mission is to uplift Muslims and make them the hero of their story with never taking Allah out of the equation. And so, alhamdulillah, five-day Razor Dua Challenge is about not lowering your standards, but raising your dua because who stand in front who stands in front of the king of kings and asks for pennies. So if you want to inshallah connect with what we're doing here at Visionaire and really take your Ramadan, make it the best, fill it with hope, alhamdulillah, hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the challenge for you. We're gonna have Sheikh Omar al-Shukri, myself, Ustada Taymiya, Ma'am Khalid Latif, and exclusive footage by Sheikh Azraqadi, Sheikh Omar Suleiman and Sheikh Mohammed Al-Sharif so inshallah join us the link is um, wherever you can see it wherever you're watching this be it on our YouTube channel or on our podcast streaming so inshallah join that all right let's get started alhamdulillah so I am so excited for this interview we have someone who I think subhanallah has m- many roads that cross and I think will serve regardless of wherever you are at in your life right now uh, brother Hussein Abdullah, mashallah, a former NFL player, a very successful entrepreneur, mashallah, and someone who is just striving to live on that path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and inspire others, I think, with his journey, even when he doesn't realize it. And so I want to welcome him to the podcast. Welcome. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Brother Hussein. And uh, those, so a big chunk of our audience, Brother Hussein, are women. And, you know, I'm sure they're not usually the avatar for NFL. So I do want to, like, bring them to up to speed of just, like, what your journey is about. So, inshallah, in my interview today, you guys, I'm trying to, like, contain myself in terms of questions. But, like I said, there's so many crossroads that Brother Hussein touches um, that I want to highlight to our audience. So his he, he's, his career with the NFL, but also, mashallah, like, his faith journey through that, the confidence uh, that you displayed. And then, like I said, you made a very successful transition also as an entrepreneur, which I want to highlight because we have a lot of listeners who are in their 40s and 50s. And as you know, Brother Hussein, right now, like our generation is going to be the first one where I think it's like people will have two to three careers in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, there's a lot of like lessons, inspiration that I would love for you to speak to on that as well. And then I think um, most importantly, there's a lot of parents who listen to us and mashallah, they've got, you know, young boys or daughters who are like athletes. And how to help them have that confidence and faith to actually feel the success for that. So those are some of the things I want to like pick your brain about, inshallah. But to kind of start off the conversation, I want to um, I want to start at a very, I think, like amazing point in your journey. And obviously, I know for your perspective, it's probably gonna be a little different. But um, so Brother Hussein, mashallah, when he got a touchdown in one of the games uh, when mashallah, like you're at the height of your career and you went into sajda and I think now, like given some of the work that the NFL has done, there's still a lot of ways to go. But at that point, um, you actually got a penalty for mm-hmm. your sajda 
which is like mm -hmm. insane because they thought you were like taunting the other team or this was like some way of mocking them. Can you take me back to that moment? Like, I think for our listeners just to connect with like who they're speaking with. I'm sure like you had this beautiful display of faith um, to Allah subhanahu wa and then like how it turned out, like what was going on for you in that moment, lead up to it, after it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The um, So the lead up to it and uh, the lead up to it was, this was my sixth year in the NFL and I had been through uh, a lot individually, personally, family-wise, um, uh, social pressures as well. If you can think back to 20, um, 2014, the Islamophobia machine was uh, uh, was on full tilt, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's just one of those things where um, really you just always under a microscope and having to get closer to Allah. And I was going through some personal things as well to where it was really like just me and Allah. And uh, that week leading up to uh, that game, which was a big game, it was a Monday night football game, which uh, for the, those of you who don't watch football, during the regular season, this is like the biggest games of the week and it's broadcast all over the world, uh, millions of people watching. And so Monday night football is everything during the regular season. And we were uh, playing the New England Patriots. And um, uh, so for me, it was just, uh, I just really wanted to like glorify a lot. And because he was aiding me through so many different situations that uh, I kind of made a, a promise. And, you know, sometimes we make promises to a lot. It's like when you make a promise, you got to keep it. And so uh, my promise was uh, uh, if a lot got me the football, I scored a touchdown. I was going to I was going to I was going to uh, I was going to do a side. I was going to make a side. I was going to thank him. Um, and uh, so when I got the interception, I was like, a lot did his part. I got to make sure that I do my part. And so I think it was like a 40-yard run, uh, you know, weaving in and out of traffic. And when I scored the touchdown, I went down in Sajda. Uh, so I got flagged for it. So I got penalized for it, which is supposed to be a personal file, like excessive celebration. It's supposed to be a 15-yard penalty. And you're supposed to be fined like $15,000, which I didn't know at the time. Because uh, I didn't score that many touchdowns to know all the intricate rules, so I never cared about it. Um mm -hmm. And so, but alhamdulillah, man, uh, the Muslim Ummah really showed up worldwide. Uh, you had messages coming in from Indonesia, South Africa, France, uh, Australia, U.S. And everybody was really going at the NFL like he's praying, he's not taunting. And so uh, ultimately, they, um, the NFL said, you know, I shouldn't have been flagged and different things. But it brought about this conversation in terms of, you know, uh, people should be allowed to, uh, to, to, to thank God, right? people should be allowed to worship a lion so now the the rules have changed people do all kind of crazy stuff now but it was a you know that penalty was actually a blessing because it's spotlight at that moment and you if you go back man there it's you know for like two days the world is having all these different talk show conversations and this and it was really like uh my brother was calling it the 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 uh the sajda her around the world <laughs> like because it was just so much attention that uh it garnered I love that so much. And you know what's crazy, Brother Hussein, is like um, one of the things we talk a lot about when it comes to the eyes, like, subhanAllah, we ask. And of course, Allah subhanahu never delivers how we ask. He gives so much better. So I'm like, mm -hmm. here you made this like, um, you know, you made this subhanAllah promise to Allah, like if I get this, uh, you know, this touch, I'm going to make a such that. And that was all your intention was like, I'm just going to make this such that. And then Allah subhanahu uses you to glorify him globally. Mm -hmm. And you have this like viral moment in the best way possible in da'wah that you do. Like, that's insane. And, and we can't undermine, like, you're a Black Muslim male. So not mm -hmm. only are you Muslim, you're Black. And you're in the NFL and Islamophobia. 
and Allah Subhanahu uses you and the courage it took, right? So I'm just like, subhanAllah, the sajda that was heard yeah. around the world. I love And I, I think one of the things that's amazing about it is it's 10 years later and everybody's still excited about it like it happened yesterday. So I think anytime yeah. you can do something and people are still excited a decade later, you must have done something really good. Yeah. And then, and then like, again i feel like just this we could probably like keep to driving inspiration from because i'm like you also set a standard for a lot of probably muslim athletes and like you see muhammad salah come up years later in his sajda and you see mm -hmm. these like muslim boys who you know before would feel so shy about it and now they feel so confident you've seen like you know other kids now in like high school football other ones like doing such a like this is part of who i am so I'm, like you mm -hmm. just gave permission and set a standard for like hey like own your faith like this is mm -hmm. part of that shukud so Subhanallah, like I, I love that story because I feel like it's that unfolding of you think Allah is answering your dua with just that touchdown. It's like that was just the beginning of what that was going to do. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. and, then, and you know, the standard has been set. You know, um, Muhammad Ali, may Allah have mercy on him. Uh, you have, uh, and then there was uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf and Hakeem Elijah in the 90s, Sharif Abdul Rahim. These are uh, people that me and my my older brother Hamza, these are the people that we looked up to and we're like, yeah. you know, I want to be like, I want to be like that. And so uh, they helped us have confidence that you can fast and you can play sports. Uh, you can stand up and say, I'm a Muslim. You can tell your people, no, 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 my name is Hussein Abdullah and teach them how to uh, pronounce your name correctly instead mm -hmm. of saying, oh, just call me H or just call me this. Yeah. Like, no, no, my name is Hussein. You're going to learn how to say it. You're going to learn how to spell it. Yeah. You're going to learn how to pronounce it. And so um, these, these, you know, these brothers, they came before us and then you know, now it's uh, we have tons of Muslim athletes. We have tons of uh, Muslim entertainers and uh, just in arts and culture and different things where they can be confident in their space. And the beautiful thing about social media and even things like uh, podcasts and conversations like this is, you know, I wasn't privy to a, a behind the doors uh, Hakeem Elijah on conversation or uh, I never had a chance to meet Muhammad Ali, may Allah mercy on him. But now yeah. through social media, like, you know, people reach out to my brother and I all the time. And they say, yeah. hey, you know, can you guys help me with this or that or whatever it may be? And so just being able to have the opportunity to mentor other people as well has been a blessing. Subhanallah. I'm, and I'm so glad you highlighted, mashallah, those, you know, role models and inspirations. Because um, I think it's, you're, you're right, like, you know, you're rippling what they were doing and what they showcased as well. I'll never forget when I was in high school, I was reading... Um, an article. So I, I'm based in Toronto. So Hakeem Olajuwon, when he played here uh, in Toronto, and so he had done an article. And, and again, like growing up in the '90s, but like white Canada, there wasn't really a lot going on. So to see, like in a Sunday newspaper, they had an article about Hakeem Olajuwon sharing like how he fasts in Ramadan and how it gives him strength. And I remember being so empowered and like, man, that's so cool! Like this pro athlete and. Um, so when I lead my team here at Discover You, I'm always referencing sports stories because I think there's just so much to take away from like the discipline that, um, you know, athletes, alhamdulillah, have to build and the resilience that comes through that and the strategy. So I'm always like quoting some other sports, you know, things. So I, from a young age, I've had that like attachment inspiration. So Hakeem Lajon was definitely a powerhouse. And for those of you that are like younger or you're hearing this, and you don't know him, you need to definitely uh, look him up. And he's, he Absolutely. gave back in tremendous ways, subhanAllah. But there's the other thing, too, that um, I think you just briefly touched on, but I love as well about you. And I had Hamza on actually, year, I think like almost two years ago, I'd interviewed him. And um, one of the things that I think is amazing that in our tradition, I feel like with social media can also be a detriment. And Alhamdulillah, like, I love that you both do is being accessible. And I remember one of my teachers saying, like, don't ever be so you know deep in your work that you're not accessible to the people. And I love mm -hmm. that you do respond to messages. And Marshall, you've been sharing your journey, which we're going to highlight um, with the Hitra block that you did, like on social media and you respond and like, 
that kind of mentorship, that kind of just accessibility, I know is such an inspiration for a lot of people. So what's something that like inspired you to, because again, I know Masha, you've got family, you've got kids, you've got your business. What, what makes you or inspires you to like prioritize that kind of accessibility? Mm-hmm. Uh, my pops, man, a lot of mercy on him. Uh, he used to always say each one, teach one. That was his thing. And so, uh, Somebody teaches me, so I have to teach somebody else. Somebody has shown me the ropes. I got to show somebody else the ropes. Um, uh, in Islam, we we speak a lot about guidance and guidance and guidance, right? And um, so you need a guide. <laughs> and so there are people who, even still to this day, I take mentorship. I reach out to people. Hey, I don't know how to do this. Hey, I don't know how to do that. Can you please help me here? Can you please help me there? Can you show me the ropes? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I sit down and have a conversation? And, uh, you know, I do that. So when someone uh, sends me uh, a message and they just say, hey, I'm a this and this person. Can you watch my film? Can you give me some feedback? I do my best. There may have been some that slips through the cracks here and there, but uh, I do try to reach out. I do try to uh, talk to people. I do try to um, help people the best that I can um, because, like, you just you just you just never know. Right. You just never know that uh, you could be, you know, just. You don't know who you are in the story. Right. I could just be the person that says, hey, okay, we can go here and make a left. I don't know if I'm the, um, you know, I can be the shuaib to Prophet Musa Islam. I don't know uh, uh, who or what I am in somebody else's story. So I just want to help as many people as possible. And then mm-hmm. inshallah, just let them uh, grow and blossom. Yeah. And you don't know like who that next Muhammad Ali and Hussein Abdullah is that you're planting the seed in, right? Like subhanAllah. And I think that's the humility um, that may Allah subhanAllah like allow our hearts, you know, protect us and have that. Um, cause that's so beautiful. Like to have that mindset, like anyone here can, and not just that, I think the, the beautiful part also about mentorship and coaching, which I'm so passionate about because I'm like, yes, we all need a murabi, a guide. And then also on top of that, it's it like, I feel like I learned so much, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. mentorship is like this two way process. Like Allah subhanahu wa sends his teachers everywhere. And you don't know whose journey is actually going to like teach you to reflect on something differently. Absolutely. Um, and I do want to highlight, so my my nephew, my brother's a big fan, mashallah, and so his son is named Abdullah, and you were an inspiration for that. So recently I was with him, and they live in like a very remote part of Canada, where there's like no Muslims. And so I heard, and I was just there recently, and they were saying his name wrong, and I was like, and he's like seven, so actually no, nine. And he's like, I'm like, Abdullah, you've got to correct them. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you you teach them to say Abdullah. And so that kind of confidence, did you always have it? Or was that like, you know, when, especially when you're starting off early in your career or even before that, was that something like your family, your parents, mashallah, and still like, what was, because um, I know all the, a lot of the parents here probably struggle with that. Like, how do I inspire my child to this confident faith? So what, what's been like something for you that's really helped? So when I, when I was a kid, I used to get picked on, right? I'm born in 85. So if you can think about my first, second, third grade, what was the topic of conversation in America? Saddam Hussein, right? So everybody, Saddam, all these different things. And, uh, you know, even growing up, uh, the only fights I got in that school was people calling me Saddam or even playing basketball. Those are the only times I would ever uh, get into a fight or anything like that. But um, it got it gets to a point to where it's like, no, no, no. I'm named after the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad. I'm named after someone great. So you're going to learn how to say his name. You're going to learn how to say my name. So even I don't care if it's going to go get a cup of coffee and they say, uh, do you know name of Hussein, H-U-S-A-I-N, teach him how to spell it, say it, everything, because not only is it something that they should know, um, but it's also something that now when the next Hussein comes, they're like, oh, I know how to say that name. I know how to spell yeah. that name, right? But if we keep hiding behind, oh, well, what, what's your nickname? What do you want to go by, Hussein? 
right? If we keep hiding behind an H or a this or a that and people never learn how to say it, then the name is always going to be foreign. It's always going to be foreign. We have to make our names uh, uh, normal, right? We have to make our names because we, we all have beautiful names. We have legendary names. We have names that are uh, connected to the divine and people need to know that. And so we should be proud of that and we shouldn't try to diminish our life for anybody. Yeah. And so is there something that you've done with your kids to, I mean, Masha, they're growing up obviously in a very different climate mm -hmm. and era, but is there something that um, you do as a parent that's like really helped build that confidence um, with your kids? Obviously you're modeling it, Mashallah. Um, mm -hmm. So in addition to that? Uh, yeah, just telling them to embrace their names, giving them the reason why I named them, what they named them. And then also telling them, you know, a name has power. So if you go by a nickname and your nickname is misleading you, right? Then, um, then you will be misled with that name, right? You think about the uh, the the contrast of 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 people's names. You think about somebody going from like uh, Abul Hukum to Abul Jal, right? The father of wisdom to the father of ignorance. So, mm -hmm. a name has power, and so therefore, when our parents name us and they uh and they give us something like, for example, uh, uh, one of my daughters, her name is uh, Sumeya. My youngest daughter, her name is Sumeya. So I teach her about Sumeya from right now, right? Um, and so, because I want her to have that confidence of a Sumeya instead of yeah. someone say, oh, her name is this or her name is that, but start building that right now and connecting her to the Siddha. Like, no, 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 you're connected to a divine legacy. Um, and so just, just building that level of confidence and then everybody goes on their own journey, but inshallah, she ultimately wakes up to, to like, no, I'm going to embrace this. So I think as a parent, uh, you kind of got to breathe that confidence in your children. I love that. And I think that topic of names, especially in an era when people are trying to pick like some really unique names, but like might be hollow of meaning. Um, I think this is a beautiful reminder of like, yes, there might be a thousand Mariams and a thousand Sumayas and Asiyas, but those are like powerful legacies. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I'm a reflection of that. My name was actually, I was named after like the first female Muslim queen of like Southeast Asia. And like, nice. she's this warrior queen. And like, as a child, I just like, I was like, I know I channeled that strength. Like it inspired mm -hmm. me a lot. So um, definitely like I think beautiful don't go look for some random unique name you guys just because you want your child <laughs> right. to stand out like right. give them that inspiration so I want to um, focus a little bit you, you know you obviously talked about the sajda that was heard around the world but throughout your career mashallah uh, brother Hussein, you've made like significant decisions that definitely reflect the strong conviction you have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, can you talk about one or two of those other decisions. I know there's a big other viral one we'll get to, and you can maybe incorporate that here of going to Hajj, which was so mm -hmm. tremendous. And I think especially right now with um, what's happening in Palestine, and a lot of people feeling like muzzled at work or feeling like, you know, I can't speak to justice because of this. And, you know, it's, I'm not like, again, I understand there's a lot of nuances to it, but it takes a lot of conviction and knowing, um, alhamdulillah, like why you're doing something. So like what we're you know, one or two other moments in your career that, alhamdulillah, reflection of that conviction? And, and again, what fed it? Like, what allowed you to be like, here's the risk, but I know who my Lord is and take that? Because I think that's such an important, mashallah, journey that you've inspired. Um, uh, first, you know, may Allah, uh, may Allah aid our brothers and sisters in Palestine and uh, and uh, those struggling around the world. There's, um, you know, now with the advent of social media, more cameras, uh, we get to see it uh, and it's ugly. And this is the way the world has operated for a long time. But now we get to see genocide in Sudan, Congo, uh, the Uyghur Muslims. We get to see just destruction all around us. And so it's not so uh, easy for us to tune out and we, should, we shouldn't we should tune out. We should be uh, engaged and active 
and uh, one in raising our voices, but then also, like you said, in raising our hands and dua as well, um, and just calling on uh, divine assistance. Um, yeah. And so, may Allah, may Allah, may Allah aid the Ummah uh, in total. You know, when I was a kid, my, my pops used to always say, uh, make dua for the Ummah, and I didn't understand what that meant. Uh, and now, why do I say make dua for the Ummah? I'm like a seven-year-old kid, but but now I get it. Uh, in every one of your duas, it shouldn't just be about uh, yourself and what you want. It should also be for the betterment of uh, of everyone else and of society at large, even, even the non-Muslims, right? Because they're misguided. So uh, even having guidance for them, making do it for their guidance as well. Um, yeah. But in terms of, uh, for me, you know, um, I needed it. Uh, you know, uh, like you said, uh, you know, being uh, being Black in America is not an uh, easy thing. And uh, being born in Southern California, um, we was born on the front lines of, it seemed like, a race war with the government. There's um, uh, uh, crack and drugs flooding our streets, uh, which also turned into gang violence and territorial uh, violence. So people are getting shot and killed and left and right. People are becoming strung out, um, becoming um, becoming addicts. And then there was a boom in the prison industrial complex. So then now uh, it's for profit. So they're trying to uh, lock up as many black bodies as possible, reducing them back down to slavery. If you read Michelle Alexander's um, uh, the new Jim Crow uh, and the 13th Amendment and how that whole dance works. And so we didn't understand it in the 90s or even in the 2000s, but we lived it. And so holding on to Islam was necessary because it was something that gave me a guide. But still, when you're raised around that environment, uh, when you're raised in a in a in a in a uh, a society of jahiliya, it kind of gets on me too. So I I have that I have that in me too. And so as I uh, go from high school to college, college to the NFL, and I'm starting to learn more of Islam outside of what my parents taught me. And I'm starting to sit in front of scholars and I'm starting to meet different uh, students of knowledge and sheikhs and imams. And uh, I want to get better. But then now I'm fighting the ignorance that I have within me. Right. And mm. so um, there's this struggle of righteousness and non-righteousness. There's back and forth struggle. And it's like, I want to be better. And so... Um, through these different moments and this internal kind of struggle for my own soul, um, ultimately Allah uh, gave me a gift and a concussion. And I say that they were a gift because it's it's something that we may think we want one thing and it may be detrimental to us. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to be the best NFL player. I want to make all this kind of money and I want to do this. But maybe if Allah allowed me to reach that or uh, have given me this multi-million dollar contract at that time, maybe they'll, those um, seeds of evil that are still in my heart all of a sudden grow. So a lot, give me a concussion. Now I'm on injury reserve. I'm trying to figure out what am I doing? Where am I going? What is this? What is that? I worked so hard for everything. And then now I'm sitting here and I can't do anything. And then I feel like life is spiraling out of control. I don't know. I don't know which way to go. So, but I do know that I can hold on to the rope of a lot. And I do know that I can call him a lot. And I do know that a lot says, if I take one step towards him, he comes running towards me. So I remember my thinking was, well, I'm going to fly to his house and then I'm going to I'm going to go make dua there. And so I had never been to Umrah before. I had never been to Hydrofire. I had never left the U.S. before. So that was my first time getting on a plane and crossing water. Um, and so uh, it was nerve wracking. But I knew that if I go seek Allah, Allah is going to take care of me. So that the 2011 year was that tumultuous year. So 2012, uh, my brother and I and uh, family, we went for Umrah in March, and then we went for Hajj in October. 
So effectively, we didn't play um, that season. And so, but Alhamdulillah, it was one of the uh, best decisions that I could have ever made because uh, it shifted my focus and it repurposed me towards what I'm supposed to be here for, which is the worship of Allah. And it doesn't just mean, you know, sitting in a room praying all day, but now it's the worship of, of Allah in every single thing that I do, whether it's in family, mm -hmm. whether it's in business, whether it's um, where I invest money, where I buy, where I try to buy my food or whatever it may be, um, how I dress. Uh, even people, always, I get so many conversations about Islam just from wearing subha. People ask me so much uh, about different things. And so like, but then now just trying to live a life that's always uh, purposeful towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stems from that moment of Allah knocking me down and then me reaching on to hold on to the rope of Allah. That are like, oh my God, there's so many layers to what you just shared. So one of the words I wrote down, because whenever I try to do a podcast interview, I always have like a theme. And I know, like I, I spoke to you and I said, I want to talk about thought, but the other part that your story like screams out to me and is something that um, I really tr try to capture in my work is practical theology. And, okay. you know, like what did it mean to, practically live the aqidah and what you just said so you get this concussion and then you're speaking to yourself and i think so many of us don't even realize our thoughts are not even godly like there's these secular constructs that we just take in unfiltered and we've all been indoctrinated because we're you know grew up in north america mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. for you to alhamdulillah you know be be on that path you were learning so when this happens this test that's the moment that you know what you truly believe shows up and so for you to talk mm -hmm. to yourself and be like well uh, like Allah has the best for me I'm I'm gonna run to him because I know he's taking one step towards me that kind of self-coaching spiritually is is you living the faith and I think so many people are like great with the theory but then when it comes to you know subhanallah those real test of those moments of tests that can break us like mm -hmm. you know that that's when it's like wait how, catch yourself like, how do I actually talk to myself like do the verses of Allah show up so that's so mm -hmm. beautiful and then purpose like purpose, 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 right? Like uh, the way that we should understand why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I'm like, it's the air you breathe. Like there's no separation. So for you, mashallah, you know, sharing this alignment and um, this podcast is going to come out just before Ramadan. So I hope for everyone, like, you know, your purpose can be that realignment happens inshallah every day, but Ramadan is also a revival of that realignment. Um, so that's so incredible. And then like you do all of that and that's what allows you to, mashallah, and for people who, again, are not, so informed on the nfl like taking a year off is no joke like this is mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. can make or break your career type idea and so you go and you go with this like conviction and alhamdulillah like knowing you know this is part of my 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 faith this is the pillar of the ten i'm going to complete so it's just like how allah had to continue to strengthen you in your conviction and allow you to just like look at your life differently that that frame that divine lens um is so so powerful subhanallah and I, I would encourage our listeners also, and again, inshallah, the parents, you know, if you have young um, boys or athletes or even, you know, your, your daughters, inshallah, it's important to just ask yourself and sit as a family sometimes asking, like, how do you view this difficulty in your life? Are you looking at it through the divine lens, right? Um, because there's the worldly lens that's like, hey, you're taking a year off. Um, and what are you thinking, investing all this money and going, blah, blah, versus like sit here, you know, go chase the agents, go try to do this. And it's like, which one is is the godly lens right now that makes more sense to me, subhanAllah. That's so beautiful. You know, one of the um, interesting things about that was um, at the time, I wasn't taking a year off. I was done um, mm -hmm. because I wanted uh, I wanted whatever Allah had written for me. Uh, I just wanted to um, I just wanted to seek Allah in whichever way he directed me. I knew he was going to direct me with good. And so it was one of those things like uh, like the mother of Musa, like you just got to put your trust in Allah. 
just let them go. Put your trust in Allah, right? And so it was something that, uh, you know, if you if you let something go for the sake of Allah, he's going to give you better, right? And so those four years that I that I played in Minnesota was uh, was stressful. It was four years, but it almost seemed like it was day-to-day. -day. Imagine having a job day-to-day, -day, but for four years. That's just four years of just mm -hmm. built-up stress based off your performance every single day. And mm -hmm. so... Um, Going from that, I was just done with everything. Uh, I was actually uh, about to pack up my family and like just move to Egypt. So I just wanted to go study Islam. I just wanted to, I just wanted to go seek a line. I just wanted to get closer to Allah. And mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't until after you know I came back from Hajj, and then it was like, okay, the fire is still kind of burning. I would like to, uh, I would like to give it a shot. I would like to retrain. But now it was different, right? It wasn't uh, again, like I said, it wasn't to try to become the best football player who ever lived or to try to make as much money as possible. I wanted to uh, go back because I understood that the platform of being inside of an NFL locker room and the light that uh, could be shined on, on Islam and the Dawah that could be done um, would be better uh, if I'm in the locker room than if I'm outside the locker room. And so uh, now I'm going back and now even uh, me trying to be a, a good uh, a football player is now for the sake of a lot. So even, I'm 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 playing in worship of a lot, and so people will probably say, "Well, how do you do that?" Well, if you're a dentist or a doctor, let's say you're a doctor, um, the way you treat your patients, you can treat them with such care to where maybe there's a a drug you could prescribe and you can make money off that person, but then you say, "No, no, no, I'm not going to do that because you really don't need it." And then, hey, why don't why why do you treat me so well? Because I'm a Muslim, and even that in and of itself goes so much further um and just uh you know how we how we uh treat and care for people so you know there's sometimes where we ask a lot for something but we're still holding on to the outcome and he may and he may delay it he may stall it he may not give it to you but um you know those moments where you just completely let go and just completely trust in a lot then he returns it to me i played three years in kansas city i had a a great time in kansas city uh again it was way less stressful. I played my my best when I was in Kansas City, um, and alhamdulillah, and I and I got out fairly healthy, considering you know some of my counterparts and how they uh, exit the game, and so like just uh, you know just trusting a lot. And even before people were saying, well, why would you do that? You're 27 years old. Uh, you're gonna lose so much money and money and money and uh, your mm -hmm. career, and you can go do Hajj later on afterwards. You know when you're old, and it's like. I don't know I'm going to be alive then. I don't know I'm going to be mentally able, physically able, financially stable. I don't know what the future beholds, but I do know right now I have the inspiration to go for Hajj, so I'm going to go right now. And so uh, when you do things for the sake of Allah, when you put your trust in Allah, you know, uh, I think a reporter asked me, they said, uh, why would you give up an NFL salary and blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, man, if God wants me to make $100 million, I'm going to make $100 million. I don't care if it's selling shoestrings, bubble gum, it doesn't matter. Whatever is written for me, I'm going to get. And what's not written for me, I'm not going to get. And when you have that level of trust in a lie, and then you go work, you put in your word, but you understand, I didn't get it. It wasn't written. And if I get it, how many allow was written? And when you um, can really do your best to um, align yourself uh, with that principle in Islam, uh, good things happen and the whole stress thing uh, decreases. I'm like this is this is all gold this is like what our dua journey so at visionaire like what we talk about is a you can't use the r word being realistic so everyone's telling you like it's not realistic at 27 to go do and you're like 
your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was answering the call, the answering the call of Hajj, right? That submission. And what's so incredible, I've been reflecting on the verses in Surah Al-Baqarah where Allah subhanahu wa talks about Ramadan and the sequence of those verses, it's from 183 in Surah Al-Baqarah to 186. So Allah subhanahu wa talks about, um, you know, Ramadan being obviously to attain taqwa, it's ease. But then like that final 186 verse, Allah subhanahu wa saying, like, when the caller calls upon him, Allah answers. So he's guaranteeing you. He says, you know, and outmost conviction, he answers. But then he says something else. Allah subhanahu wa says, I answer the call of the caller and you answer with obedience. So Allah will answer your dua and you continue to respond with obedience and submission to him and watch how your duas unfold. And like your story is nothing shy. And Allah continue to bless you of like one dua unfolding and another dua. And then again, like your hedge story, um, brother Hussein, like is when I definitely like, you know, came into like reading more about and being so fascinated. I was like, Here's the brother who's modeling. And so I pulled up the hadith because I want to quote it word for word because it's capturing your story right here where the Prophet said, whoever wakes up and this world is his main concern, Allah will make him scattered and shattered. I translate that as anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. And then the Prophet goes on to say, and he will feel a sense of panic and loss and he will get nothing of this world except that which was already decreed for him. But whoever gets up and his, is mostly concerned about the hereafter, Allah will cause him to feel focused and content to the da, and will give him a feeling of being independent and worldly gains will definitely come to him. Like Allah, but this this is the promise of Allah Subhanahu. This is the Prophet Wasallam, you know, just showing you what this what success in this world is. So you rejected the world. You're like, I'm good. I know what I want to answer to, whatever's written for me. And you had like written that off. And then subhanAllah, how you come back and Allah brings the the world to your footsteps. Like now that you've rejected dunya. And I want everyone to connect with this because one of the things that I see a lot, um, you know, Brother Hussein is right now that job scarcity, which exists in every career, is actually a form, and Dr. Cornell West talks about this, like the modern day slavery is the nine to five, to go to work every day and be like, am I gonna be fired? Am I gonna be fired? And so yeah. you sharing like that amount of stress, I can't imagine to have to physically like show up each day and people do it in, you know, mentally, and to be so scared for like, will my this come? And this is where like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, that is in a, a mental health crisis. Like it feeds the system of scarcity. Whereas, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, make him the center and focus. And then yeah. for you to come back and you're doing the exact same career, but you're actually better now. And you're coming from a place of shukr, of I want to glorify Allah. I want to live with my purpose. So nothing really changes, but here and the heart changes. Mm-hmm. And how much more enjoyable and mashallah, he killed it in his career when he came back. You guys, mashallah, if you look at his stats. And um, so for everyone here, I think we can connect to that. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm so stressed. What do I take off my plate? I'm like, it might not be that you can take anything off your plate because you've got kids, you know, mothers are like struggling. But I'm like, it might just be where you come at it from, like seeing this mm-hmm. as a form of ibadah. Whereas it's like, oh, I'm just making the lunch. I'm just dropping the kids off. And it's like, wait, do you see the blessing of what this is? Do you see, alhamdulillah, the responsibility and trust Allah has given you? Do you connect with the how this is a form of worship for you? So like, just thank you so much for sharing that. Like, that is what dua is. And so again, you guys, this episode is brought to you by the five-day Razor Dua Challenge. And one of the big things, I want to just pick your brain here, Brother saying, because like like you said, you know, the prison complex, the the reality you were um, raised in, the, the what was happening in the world at that time. There's so much messaging. And I hope everyone can connect with this on some level where we're at, right? Be it if you're Black, you're Muslim, this message of like, you're only capable of this. 
This is the only path you can go down. And um, this is all that's possible for you, right? Again, that waswas, that limiting belief, what allowed you to like break through that? Be like, no, that, that doesn't have to be my story. Like I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do great things in my life. Like that's what so much of dua is, that idea of like who stands before a king and asks for pennies? Like mm -hmm. Allah's dominion is available to you if you ask of him. So what's been really helpful for you to like break out of any limiting beliefs that you might've found yourself trapped in? Um, and alhamdulillah, like, you know, I think your journey is definitely a reflection of you owning and, and heading through those. But what, what was something, a practice you had or inspiration that you took or the just pivotal moments that helped you break through? Um, really, and it's like, um, it's an ongoing thing, right? It's an ongoing uh, reflection. It's an ongoing self-correction uh, and making sure I'm aligned with what uh, with what Allah wants, right? Because the nafs can be misleading, man. We all got desires that, that ain't too good, right? Let's just be real about it. We got some stuff that we look at something, we're like, ah, we got to fight against ourselves, right? And sometimes um, in, in our in our society, um, marketing is uh, uh, the marketer creating a desire in you and then filling it for you. And so a lot of times we get marketed and we don't even know something now. We think we have to have this. We think we have to have that. So we're just going and going and going and going. And someone else is really telling us what it is that we should be doing, where it is that we should be going, what is success, how we should, we're supposed to be experiencing this thing called life. And when you open up the Quran, it's completely different. And so I'm like, okay, should I continue to believe these guys or should I, you know, believe a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's where I just start to always, as I read the Quran or read the Ahadith, try to just align myself with divine guidance. And then I start to see just little by little, like, I really don't need that, right? I don't need a hundred different watches, right? It's just, it's a marketing thing. I don't need a hundred pair of shoes. I don't need a, a whatever it may be, but every single day, like all of us, you we're spending money. We don't even know we're spending money. We're just, just calculating stuff. Oh, I need this, 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 that. And so um, really, again, just being able to slow down and align yourself to what Allah says. I think that's the biggest thing in uh, learning how to be content. Like every single one of us wants more. Every single one of us has a dream house. We have a dream car. We have a, a dream uh, way the day is supposed to look, but be content in what Allah has given me. Because again, if it's written for me, I'm gonna get it. If it's not written, I'm not gonna get it. I always joke with my children about uh, my Corvette. Uh, yep, it's a midnight blue Corvette, carbon fiber spoiler, all these different things. I was like, but if it's for me, I'll get it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna reach. I'm not gonna break myself. I'm not gonna. Uh, say, oh, you know, my life is terrible or this and that until I get this item because it's not the item, right? Yeah. It's all about, uh, again, just the purification of the heart. And then you start to come become easy. Like, I really don't need it. It's a nice car, but it's not going to make or break me. I don't need it. It's not, um, what is it going to do for me? And you get to start seeing the flaws in it because everything yeah. in this dunya is ultimately flawed. Um, and so uh, there's, man, we've all made so many different duas that when Allah has given it to us, Hey, we already are moving on to the next one, right? Yeah. And so, but as long as Allah uh, gives you your needs um, and you can learn how to be content with that, you'll start to be more perceptive to a lot of the other blessings that are coming to. And so um, that's where I'm at, just trying to make sure I keep aligning myself with divine guidance and with the guidance of the Prophet. And, and, but you're also, mashallah, like, 
what I love is because you're on the path of growth. You're also driven, but it's not driven from I need more, which is what we see a lot of in like, again, the material and um, non-Muslim world and messaging. It's I want to do more because I'm so grateful and I want to continue to glorify. It's like a completely different subhanal race and, and approach to it. Um, and also like, I think what you just shared of all those material gains that people go and chase, um, it's, it's looking for their worth their value in those things. And so alhamdulillah knowing like, and I also love challenging and I think you're doing that, right? Like challenging um, the societal norm of like, oh, so when you get more then you have to upgrade your house and you have to, um, you know, again, constantly be like driven by the numbers. And it's crazy. Um, There's this researcher out of Harvard and he, he wrote this book and it's like, you know, basically like how to live a happy life. And one of the things he says that I, I thought was so powerful as a believer I got to connect with it's not about your wants, but protecting your haves, what you already have and like finding mm-hmm. that contentment. And like, again, like a lot of that talks about the, the contentment. And so, you know, truly like saying hum that, you know, alhamdulillah with every part of your body and being and then living that is like such a different reality. So what is something, because you just highlighted, you know, you've got to have a relationship with Quran daily. Like that's got to be your soul, your nourishment, the oxygen you breathe to feed yourself. Um, but what has helped you shift away? Like, is, you know, because I'm, I'm imagining you probably got like, you know, your family, much like your friends, the people you surround yourself with that have helped you move away from like, that's not success. Like me having those watches or having this car or the upgraded house, like that doesn't define me. Um, what's something that's like really helped? Because again, I feel like people even in their 40s and 50s, like it's keeping up with the Joneses, like it plagues everyone's heart. So what, what do you do to protect yourself from that? Uh, well, one, alhamdulillah, by being in the NFL, um, I've seen it. I've seen guys making multi-million dollars uh, at a very young age, and I've seen uh, uh, what access can do to you. It can be access to self-destruction. Um, I remember one of my uh, one of my teammates. This was like our second or third year, and he said, um, "He said, you know, people always say that we bless." He said, "But sometimes I think that we're cursed because of the access, because of the money, because of the attention, because of the this and the that." And um, you realize that it can destroy your, all you can do is destroy your soul quicker, right? And so more isn't always better. Less is actually, uh, less is more. And so uh, one of the things is I've got to see what that other side looks like. I got to see the misery in people. I got to see the behind the scenes of what people struggle through when they get this blessing of money or of this or of that. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, that's not it. Um and then, uh, you know, one of the, the sneakiest things uh, when you read the Quran is that, uh, you know, uh, Shaitan, may Allah protect us, he says that he's going to prove to Allah that we're ungrateful, right? Mm-hmm. Ungrateful gratitude. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in recognizing that this is spiritual warfare, the, from the time we're born to the time our, 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 our bodies go into the grave, uh, this is spiritual warfare. And that spiritual warfare is on uh, belief versus disbelief and gratitude and ingratitude. And so I want to be grateful. So I need to learn how to be grateful. So then I read uh, uh, Imam al-Ghazali and he says, gratitude is using something for its intended purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So then therefore, whatever Allah has given me, I have to not only say, oh, alhamdulillah for giving me X. I have to use that thing for its intended purpose. If Allah gives me a child, it's not to say, oh my God, this baby's trying to ruin in my life and I'm, and I'm tired. No, no, it's to help nourish this baby. It's in the mom. It's to help um, 
spread spread Allah's uh, uh, religion and our faith in this baby and, to, and this and this baby becomes a trust, right? Or this brother, this sister, or this husband, or this wife, or this elder, or this neighbor, uh, whatever it may be, like Allah has given this to you. So therefore, just learn how to be grateful. And if we can just focus and maximize that, that's all I try to focus on. Because then if you're grateful, Allah says, if you're grateful, I give you more, right? So if you truly want something, learn how to use the things that you already have and learn how to use them in ways that Allah are uh, pleased with you. And like, you know, um, you know, I said, we read the Quran uh, little by little, right? Um, uh, day over day, a ayat or two. That's the way it came down to the companion. So we shouldn't try to absorb the entire book that was revealed over the course of 23 years. Just take it little by little and then just try to practice that. But um I just tell my tell my children like, hey man, if we're if we're grateful, Allah gonna keep giving it to us. But if we show in gratitude, if we become wasteful, we're just wasting food, we're wasting this, we're wasting that, uh, then he's gonna take it. Why would he give us more and we don't even know how to use the stuff that we that we have now? And so just mm -hmm. learning how to use what's right in front of you and then just being open and receptive to what is a blessing. It's not always material. It could just be a moment of, of peace, a moment of ease. It could be stillness. It could be, um, you know, it, there's so many different things that um, the blessings can be, but just uh, being aware of it so you can be grateful because on the other side of gratitude is more blessings. And, I, and we're, so we're kind of the same age. And one of the things I realized, I don't know if you connect with this, as you get older, you know, you, you redefine and like you, you pray for wisdom as you age, right? It doesn't just mm -hmm. come with it. But um, I find joy in like just being able to sit in my living room and like enjoy a cup of tea and just being like looking at like those moments that you're like, you, you, you know, you, your, your spiritual eye and heart open up. So I feel like mm -hmm. there's so mm -hmm. much distraction. So one of the sport analogies I use a lot in my talks with like gratitude and stuff is I'm like, and I love the word you use, spiritual war warfare. I'm like, so many of us, the, the biggest trick of Shaitan is that he's made it seem that he doesn't even exist. Like, mm -hmm. let's be real. In a lot of Muslim circles, it's almost taboo if we were to be like, oh, like, you know, Shaitan's a boy there. So I, I work with some couples and sometimes I have to remind them, I'm like, you know, there's a demonic force that's trying to yep. actively separate you. And yep. and I'll have couples like look at me like, okay, like, really? I'm like, guys, like, this is the reality. Like, this is based on Hadith. So um, the spiritual warfare, so what are the analogies from sports? And like, do you know, like uh, the, you know, football teams will watch thousands and hours of the other opposing teams, like plays just to know. I'm like, how many of us have read the verse in the Quran? Allah talks about the ploys of shaitan. So that pivotal conversation that shaitan is getting kicked out of Jannah. And what does he come after? He says, I will make them ungrateful. Like, do we even sit with that verse? And then the way you just mentioned laid it out, it's like ingratitude leads to all of these other diseases, right? And mm -hmm. and losing this connection with that. So like, so powerful, subhanAllah. You know, and uh, you know, and also Allah says in the Quran that uh, uh, shaitan's attacks are weak, right? But if they're working, then I must be weaker. <laughs> so, so therefore I need to become a stronger believer. I need to know my enemy. Uh, uh, Sheikh Mikhail Smith uh, down here in Dallas, uh, he gave a, a good, Halakha, running halakha about know thy enemy, right? So like you said, in football, I'm, I'm a defensive player. So first I have to learn my responsibilities. Then I have to learn the responsibilities of my teammates. Then I have to understand how my coach is calling the game. But then when I start picking all that up, I start to learn how is the offense attacking me? Because if I know how they're attacking me, now I can become a better defender. So wait, first, you know, what does Allah want from me? Okay, he wants me to worship him alone. 
okay, and then after that, then now how am I supposed to do this? So then you learn how to go, uh, you learn how to pray, you learn how to fast, you learn some basic rulings here and there. Okay, then now this is how I'm supposed to engage with my family and on and on. Um, but then what are the different ways where the where shaitan is going to try to get me to slip, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you start learning that, then now you can be on guard. And then just as simple as making dua in the morning, Fajr, and at night, Maghrib. You putting on your spiritual armor. You get you getting ready to rock, right? All I keep all of this stuff away from you, right? And so those are the different things where you understand that no, this is not just something that oh my my parents are telling me to do. Like I need this, and when you can when you can embody that and you can embrace that, then now you can engage in that spiritual warfare uh, because we're being attacked from an enemy that we can't see but that sees us, and that's a part of our belief. And you have to know that you have to understand that, uh, and then you have to defend against it. And so, um, but yeah, that was something that uh, Hans and I used to talk about. We said like, if Shaitan's, you know, if Shaitan, a philosophy and it's weak, then why are we always getting God? So that's saying more about us than it is about him. And so we yes. need to, uh, we, we need, we need to uh, strengthen up. Absolutely. And obviously like all their forms of Ibad are strength, but I, I love um, the approach to the Quran that you just shared, because we get that wrong. And, you know, the Sahaba, they, like you said, they would, memorize and live 10 verses embody those and then move on so I think as mm -hmm. Ramadan approaches one of the things I'm conscious of and reminding myself and others is like if you can connect deeply and live one ayah and then inshallah move on like because shaitan does the all or nothing but Allah mm -hmm. has to appreciate yep. so like don't go in with you know completely absolving yourself if you can't read like a, a juz and one of the you know beautiful things subhanAllah I think in our tradition it's like those small, consistent acts that Allah subhanahu and, and And if you, you know, Brother Hussein, like one of the things I keep realizing in like all these self-help books, it's just the same. It's our, you know, our deen repackaged. So atomic habits, like Bessel over three years. I'm like, what's, what's his basic premise? Small, consistent habits. Like, wow, mind blown. I'm like, this is exactly, you know, the sunnah of Allah subhanahu that he, he says, like, this is what the path to success is. Mm -hmm. So I feel like come and know your theme, like everything is here. And then it's, and then it's the real talk where you got to apply it. I think that like, I, I'm just going to feel good. So, you know, that tough love has to kick in. Like, you know, are you actually applying it? So there's this beautiful um, story where the Sheikh came to a man, um, he was visiting the city and this man's son was memorizing Quran. So the, the Sheikh asked the man, like, what is your son doing? And he says, he's memorizing Quran. He says, what is your son doing? And he says, he's memorizing Quran. Again, a third time he says, what is your son doing? It can't just be you're memorizing the Quran. You can't just be a half is like, what's the embodiment of this message? What's the mission and the purpose of this? And it's like, so I would hold on to that for myself to grind me. Like, can't just be like, oh, I'm 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 sitting with the words of Allah. No, like what what are you just as you know, a beggar is hungry, knows exactly what they're gonna take from it. Have that approach when you go to the words of Allah, when you go to Salah, like, yeah, Allah, I'm in need of this. And I think the mm -hmm. spiritual warfare you just touched on, the other part of it that's really important is know your limitations. Like Ibn al yeah. says, no one should ever share with you a weakness that you already didn't know about yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. when someone says, you're like, yeah, I know. I, I know I've got to work on that. Like, you know, mm -hmm, and sometimes mm -hmm. we're in that oblivion. So what's something that helps you stay grounded with like knowing your weakness, balancing it and being aware, but not like cutting yourself off the knees, which a lot of people do where they feel so bad about I'm, I'm failing here. And then they don't, you know, even start trying. So what, what how do you balance those two? Uh, yep. So one, um, uh, hopelessness, uh, that's from Shaitan. So that's, like, again, know your enemy. He will even try to get you to just throw in the towel, right? When you're winning and someone knows that they can't beat you, the only thing they can try to do is frustrate you into quitting. Uh, 
So just don't 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 dive off the deep end as I always uh, tell people that I'm working with. Um, but and then, you know, it is one of those things that uh, it's just knowing yourself, like really knowing yourself and knowing what you're capable of. Uh, you may not be a half of the Quran. That's OK. You may not be able to sit and read for hours. That's OK. But what can you do? And then in that, what can you do? Are you being honest with yourself? Can you give a little more? Don't set goals like I'm not gonna. I haven't been working out the way I should be. I'm not gonna go walk in the gym and try to bench press 400 pounds. I'm 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 being real with myself. So you know, uh, someone made inshallah, someone draws inspiration from this. But then don't say I'm gonna stay up all night and pray to Hajj for the rest of 2020. No, just start small, man. After salat, just 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 a dick, and then just try to make sure. You get that in every single time. Just try to make it a habit, just little by little. And then add one thing here, add one thing there and be realistic. If you do have to wake up in the morning and take the children here or you have to get to work here, just what can you do? It can be something small. Uh, for me, when I drive and, I and I'm doing my, my, uh, my parental drop offs, uh, that's, that's where I listen to my I've called in the morning. It's it's a, it's a I think it's a twenty seven uh what is it Omar Omar Hisham I think that's the brother's yeah. name. Yeah, I remember Hamza and I connected on Sheikh uh, Omar Hisham's or like he's the LeBron James of yeah yeah Gardies. and so uh as I'm driving now I can just uh that's because I can't sit there in the morning because we're we, you know we're busy bodies but then we gotta hop in the car but then now I'm in I'm in I'm in Dickard and I'm in making dua right so that's something that I added according to knowing myself and knowing my schedule, my responsibilities. And so kind of like design your life and make sure it fits, right? Um, but again, just, just trying to focus on yourself and making sure you're always living in the worship of Allah because our actions are by our intentions. And so I want to make sure I have good intentions behind everything. But um, but I think th those are those are different things. It's just, it's small, man. It's just mm -hmm. really like little things every day is what gets you better. Uh, people are asking about professionalism, like in terms of sports and uh, professionalism in sports. I like to say it's no wasted movement. It's mm -hmm. not. There's no wasted. So every day we're drilling footwork. We're drilling how to do this, sink, run, do all the kind of stuff. But really what you're trying to get to is no wasted movement. When Or a boxer, when I throw a punch, I want my punch to land exactly where I want it to go at the speed I needed to get there, at the force I needed to get there. No wasted movement. And so um, as Muslims, uh, I look at the Prophet and he had no wasted time. So every single thing that he did was in the worship of Allah, one way or another. So it's like, how do I get there? How do I adjust that? Because professionalism in the world of sports is the fundamentals done extremely well, really, really fast, consistently over mm -hmm. a period of time. That's it. So can we do that as believers? Can we do things, uh, can we do the fundamentals with, uh, with uh, extreme focus, with Kushu and every single day we do extremely well over a period of time? That's it. SubhanAllah. And I feel like, you know, the beautiful balance of that is like, I used to struggle with like letting myself rest because it's like, no, we gotta keep going. And then SubhanAllah, like, connecting with so many prophetic leaders, that intentionality of even my rest is ibadah. If, mm -hmm. if the intention is there, like, 
you know, subhanAllah, it's like Allah's mercy is so vast. And I think we disqualify ourselves in ways that like Allah, like that, that's not Allah's language. It's not his approach. So I love mm-hmm. that. That's and, and I think the beauty of what you said, design your life. Like every, you know, the wakul and you reference Musa and Salam's mom. I'm like, heard the wakul look different in that moment. Like Allah subhanAllah, out of his mercy, has given us so much leniency in the, within the bounds of Islam of like you the what looks different for you Hussein right now that does for me you know your your mashallah the way you're going to use your time right now looks different than how I'm going to use my time and that's his mercy that like at least pick it though you design it be intentional be aware like I think that's so incredible because it could have been a rigid where we all had to do the same exact same thing yep. or approach to life so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah um, I, I want to, because I know we're, we're getting close, but I really want to touch on um, the shift you've made, because like I said, I, I do you know work with a lot of professionals and coaching them in that capacity. And I see a lot of people who are in their mid 40s now, early 40s and making a career change. And it's scary, right? Burning people mm-hmm. are providers for their family. This has been their identity probably for so long, invested so much in their careers. And then they're like finding themselves at 40 and seeing either their careers becoming obsolete or they're being weaned off or, you know, and there, there's like, your man is definitely tested. You've got to rise in a different way. What helped you, mashallah, make the transition um, in that part of your life? Because um, for those don't, who don't know, mashallah Hussein has had a very successful entrepreneur journey as well outside of, you know, post NFL career. And, um, and I, I preach for entrepreneurship because I'm like, we don't need more employees, guys. We need mm-hmm. Muslim entrepreneurs, mashallah. So what was really helpful for you to transition? And what are some like key lessons you've learned in your entrepreneur journey? Uh, a lot of mentorship. Um, so my journey when I when I stopped playing football, I just went and just started asking a bunch of questions. I used to fly out to a brother named Safir Rob. I used to fly out to Baltimore almost every other week and just just follow them right yeah. like i'm hey you need me to pick up trash you need me to do i'm just going to sit there and i'm just yeah. going to learn how an entrepreneur is supposed to move and so alhamdulillah he was um you know he was uh good with me hanging around and being his apprentice and kind of showing me the ropes of how to do this and this and this and that and i got to see all the different things and how he used his time and it was extremely purposeful um so then i was like okay and then i went and i got my master's because i was real with myself and i said I don't know enough. I, I you know, I, I need to learn more. And so, uh, and then as I was going, uh, I, I got, I actually got uh, my master's in conflict resolution and also got um, certified as a coach. And I wanted to executive coach uh, sports coaches. This is the thing that I was going to yeah. go after. But and then again, being honest with myself, once again, I said, Hey, but I've been, uh, you know, I've been on the football team my whole life, but I understand from a player's lens, but I don't understand what it looks like from an executive lens. So I was like, well, I think I need some executive experience before I can actually tell someone how to be an executive. And um, at that time, there was a, a partnership with Amazon. A buddy told me to, uh, one of my Hodge brothers, he said, hey, you should check this out. And it was, um, and it was just, you know, if you can lead a team, if you can build a company culture, if you can do this, um, then you can partner with Amazon. They kind of have like this, I always call it like a business in a box. It's kind of like you just have to execute this game plan. And so I was able to jump in there and learn that. And now we've been delivering packages in the DFW for area for six years now. Um, oh. And it's one of those things where um, when Allah sends you something, take it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the dua of Prophet Musa, you mentioned dua. I was like, Ola, I'm in need of any good, any, any. I'm not going to limit nothing. Any good you can send me, I need that right now. And so uh, 
you have to be aware of what that could look like. I didn't know anything about logistics. I didn't know anything about, you know, sprinter vans and cars. That's not my field. It's not. Um, but now I've been running the business for six years and this is what we're in. Why? That's because that's what a lot had written, right? Uh, for me, I would have probably just, no, I'm just going to go sports, 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 and just going to be hard-headed and stubborn that way. No, no, no. I'm in need of mm -hmm. any good you can send me. And so um, uh, be be aware of that and then put your trust in a lot, right? Because the the entrepreneur journey, it goes like this. And the, the perceived safety and comfort is by going into corporate America. But again, if if you believe that everything is written for you, it's going to come one way or another. It's going to come. There are situations where you're like, man, this is stressful. I don't know how it's going to get here. Uh, I'm not afraid. I've almost taken my business a couple of times because of inexperience and you make a mistake and then you just see it starts tanking. And then the last says, oh, don't worry. I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll cover you up. And it's like, again, mm -hmm. a lot is going to provide. And you really have to... Um, you really have to have that uh, in your heart. And then know that if you didn't get it, I've seen something today that said it could be in your hands and still not written for you. It's not written for you. It's not written for you. And we have to learn how to start accepting those things uh, because we're not in control. A lot is in control. So just uh, a lot of tawakwa. But again, just remain open. Just yeah. stay open. I love that. You, you summed up like, I think, 20 business books all in one. You know, the mentorship. Um, and what's so beautiful about that he does it and then he goes and does the good deed he goes and helps um you know the women his future wife then and so he takes action right so like there there is a level of grind and persistency and you know the yep. risk threshold but again there's, it, work. It's there's always work yes there's work um me and my brother like to joke around like uh, who's going to carry the boat like you you got to show up and, and do your part with that and then you know i think the other part that's really important. And it's been a theme, Mashallah, I think in our conversation, you've been sharing the power of that one Nia, that sincerity, right? So you're not just starting a business and going on the entrepreneurship journey for anything. Like, again, Mashallah, your shift, your alignment has been, I want to glorify Allah through what I do. I want to, mm -hmm. you know, and so Mashallah, that one sincere Nia for everyone who's listening here and you're going through something, you don't know, just like start renewing your intentions before you do things and watch how Allah subhanahu wa opens the doors of Rahman blessing for you upon blessing. So incredible, subhanAllah. And mentorship too. I love yep. the humility you had. You're like, I'll pick up trash. I'll do anything. Like, I think sometimes, again, people in their 40s and they're like, I got to restart now. And it feels, you know, there's a lot of shame and ego that can come in the way. And it's like, hey, like, do what you got to do. Maybe you're going to start at the ground. Maybe you're going to relearn a completely new career and have to, like, invest in certifications and taking that knowledge. But, you know, alhamdulillah, like, again, do it with that intention, that focus, and don't let your ego be there. I think you, um, Edison shared, like, how every day he would, like, tell himself, like, I don't know anything. And it's okay if I get, like, a you know 500 wrong inventions, I'm going to get there. Like, that humility to, like, allow ourselves to fail. And as a believer, I feel like that Hadith of the Prophet, and then that, um, how beautiful is the affair of the believer where everything for him is good. And even when he's tested, he is patient. And in that, there is good. I'm like, failure doesn't exist in our deen because everything is fed. Nope. You always, uh, you know, if your intention is right and you're sincere and you trust in Allah, you always win. You cannot lose. It's, it's, it's a guaranteed victory. It may just not look like the way you see it. It's the way Allah sees it. But it's a guaranteed victory. And, um, you know, just, again, just the mindset of believer, man, just uh, in everything you do, do your best to glorify Allah. 
like my company is uh, named Luminous Logistics. And the reason why is one of the first times I walked into uh, an Amazon delivery center, seeing the way people were being treated. And I was like, mm-hmm, this ain't it. So then yeah. I'm reading the Quran and Allah says he takes people from darkness to light. So I said, I want to do that. I want my company to shine. I want it to be different from everybody else. So therefore, we're going to be luminous. We're going to, uh, our business practices and the way we treat uh, people is going to be different. And I remember, uh, I remember one of the uh, first days I walked into the uh, Amazon delivery center and then a lady came and I said, hey, you know, we're the new company. We're coming in in however many weeks. And then she said, uh, she said, what's your company name? I said, Luminous Logistics. She said, Luminous, huh? I hope you live up to your name. And like, so, so boom, it was a challenge right there. And so, you know, just from the, the, the company culture and the way we treated people, like we have people who've been driving with us. Like you can go and you can find different jobs. And most people who are working uh, hourly wage working jobs, they jump from job to job when they get a little frustrated. But we have people who've been with us for five years just because of the way they've been treated. Again, it's not people in, in the when it comes to logistics, people drivers will go to this company for an extra quarter or for uh, this. But they're like, I'm being treated. I like I know that I'm going to be treated well. My grievances are going to be heard. Things are going to be worked towards. And so um, there's always work. But how you do things, Islam should shine through. And this is what we should try to be as believers. And so, um, yeah, man, just uh, again, everything you do, just make sure Islam shines through. Yeah. And these are like beautiful, practical components you're highlighting. I'm like, I need to have you on for just an episode to talk about the entrepreneurship journey because you just dropped gold right there. Like I think um, as entrepreneurs, as Muslims, we have a responsibility like, to rewrite the story, like the capitalistic mindset of more and the bottom line. I'm like, no, that's not our bottom line. And so just yeah. you creating much of this beautiful um, company culture and being so intentional about it is so, so important um, that there's an entrepreneur out, of, out in Hawaii and I've been, and I'll share his name. I don't know his company name. I'll, I'll look it up and share it with you after. But what's been so interesting is, and he's a non-Muslim, but he talks about like, he's like, I don't need a nicer house. He's like, I don't need, like, he's like, that's not my drive. Like he's trying to bring goodness in the world. He does like um, deer hunting, but in such an ethical way. And like the nutrients is so amazing. And I'm like, he's like, if I'm still doing this in 30 years, he's like, I'm very happy. He's like, the way I treat people, like, he's like, I don't need to hit a certain quota. And I'm like, we need to get out of that. Like, we're just, you know, you're squeezing people as much as you can, because we need X, Y, Z. Like, our definition of success, our parameters, our framework is so different. So I definitely want to have you on for that. I love talking about um, entrepreneurship. I think, alhamdulillah, there's so much spiritual connection that we can have in our journey through that. And, um, and I think, you know, inshallah, the future of like, the ummah and what people can be inspired by, like our, I think, company models, such as what you're sharing. So may Allah subhanahu wa grant you success. Um, I could go on for another hour. Like you've been, mashallah, I love hearing like someone who's living that faith and you're so, your conviction comes through. And we didn't even get to talk about the Hijra walk, which I really wanted oh, to highlight. Yeah, do do yeah, you have yeah. time? Can you do like 10 minutes or do you have to go? Because I, I, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, I have like another uh, five. Um, oh boy. Um, okay. just... Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, so uh, Imam Dawood Yassin, he a long, long time, he uh, uh, was the imam and worked with Zaytuna and just recently uh, became the imam down in Austin, uh, Texas. Uh, he called me in about October and told me he was going for uh, Umrah and that he was going to walk the Hijrah Trail of the Prophet Sallallahu And again, uh, just me being in one of those spaces where it's like, well, I just need, I just I need you with just whatever good. When he called me, I said, hey, 
I don't know what I have to move around. I don't know what I have to adjust, but I'm in. And so uh, long story short, and maybe we can uh, do this again because I did end up uh, writing, but um, uh, me and a group of six brothers, we walked the Hijra over the course of 11 days. It's a 300 mile journey. We didn't walk uh, all 300 miles. We used some, some car, some vehicle, but we walked the majority of it. And um, there has been a lot of profound reflections. I've shared a couple on my Instagram feed. But as we were going, I started taking reflection points. And ultimately, I came, I had like 140 different reflection points. And um, I reduced it because some of them overlap. And I uh, ended up writing 100 different reflection points. And I have I wrote a book. Uh, you know, one of my goals and duas was to be a published author uh, this year. I've been saying it for years. But, you know, alhamdulillah, look at the way Allah has written my story. Not only does he take me to physically walk in the footsteps of the messenger of Allah but then now for my first published work it's about walking the hijra route and so um inshallah it's in uh the editing process now and so you know in, inshallah yeah. in the coming months however long I'm not trying to rush the process because I want it yeah. to be amazing but uh inshallah yeah. that comes so maybe inshallah as the yeah. book is coming out we we do this again oh definitely can, I love it so here, here, I love the hook. So you guys stay tuned. This is a suspense is going to be built, but definitely follow um, Brother Hussein's Instagram account. You can see some of the reflections. Okay, so just quick question. How long did it take? What what was the time span? So it was, uh, we were out there for, I think, 17 days total, but the hijra, it was 11 days. So one day, so the prophet, so I saw him, it was, his hijra was 16 days. So he went from the house of Abu Bakr, Sadiq, Radiallahu to God of Thor, to the cave of Thor, and they remained for three days. And then they walked from Thor to Kuba, nine days. And then they stayed in Kuba for four days before uh, going into uh, Masjid al-Nebuwi Medina. And so for us, we just reduced it to one at the cave of Thor and one at Kuba, so a total of 11. There was a, another uh, group of brothers, they did 12, but uh, we did uh, 11 days. And so, uh, yeah, just filled with uh, a life-altering journey. Seriously, life yeah. I can't wait to read the book. I'm so happy to hear that. May Allah kind of bless you. Um, so the final question, Brother Hussein, I, I ask all my guests at the end is, um, in this season of your life, what is a verse of Quran that you are holding on to that you know inspires you, grounds you, whatever it might be? Mm -hmm. So uh, my family and I, I think it's probably been like five years or so now, um, I started reading from the study Quran. Uh, it's called the study Quran. And we just go like, one or two ayats a day and we read the ayat and then we read and there's a lot of tafsir at the bottom and so we just kind of read for a deeper understanding and then that's it and so where we're at now after five years of doing this every day maybe you know on Fridays we just read the Friday surahs uh but for the most part we've been consistent uh, after five years and um right now we're on surah al-nahl the b and we just read through the ayat uh, ayat number 18 where Allah says even if you tried to count all the blessings, you wouldn't be able to do it, right? So for some people, they'd be like, oh, there's so many blessings, can't do it, so I'm not going to do it. Well, for me, I'm like, I'm going to try to count them. And one of the brothers, when we were uh, walking on the hijra, he said that his father-in-law would say, before I get upset, before I get angry, before I stress out, before I wallow in self-pity, let me, uh, over this one thing I didn't get, let me count up all the things that Allah has blessed me with. And then when I run out, 
and then then I then I'll complain. And so he's like, you know, his father-in-law is always walking around uh, upbeat because there's so many things to be grateful for. What am I going to, why, why am I going to be sitting here complaining over this one thing? And so, so for me, um, again, just in terms of just being grateful and uh, showing gratitude. So my job, my task daily is to, knowing that I can't, just try to say alhamdulillah for this and alhamdulillah for that and alhamdulillah for this and alhamdulillah. And then just to keep going till I fall asleep and because I know I'm going to run out of things to, because I, I can't count them all and then I'm going to try to get the next day and the next day and the next day. And it just continues to uh, aid me from going down that negative mindset and going down that pathway uh, that, you know, leads into those mental health issues and those depression issues and into that uh, that's those spiritual health issues as well. Um, the why me's, the the apathy, the different things. So um, yeah, so a lot, a lot, a lot challenging. Hey, I dare you to try to count your blessings. So I'm going to do my best to count them and appreciate them and accept them and believe them day over day. Mashallah, I love that so much. Um, may Allah kind of increase you in blessings and increase you in being a grateful servant. Uh, Jazakallah khair for taking time. May Allah have a blessing in your time, but in your time uh, for sharing the lessons and you know again you guys connect with him on instagram follow mashallah his reflections there this has been such a pleasure and alhamdulillah i'm so excited to uh you know put this podcast out and we'll, we'll be putting smaller clips so you guys can benefit from a lot of the notes as well but jazakallah again and inshallah i'm, I'm going to be booking you in now for the next one and we're going to talk inshallah. about the book soon inshallah 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 thank you for having me my pleasure assalamualaikum wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah